This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. It's Toronto today. Mike Hogan in for Derek Wheeler today. Welcome to the program. Coming up between now and 1 o'clock. Busy program today. Uh, Blake Price will join us. You probably know Blake. Has done uh, some TV work on uh, TSN. He's out of Vancouver with our affiliate there on the radio side. He will be uh, calling the radio play-by-play of the World Junior Summer Showcase in Plymouth, uh, Plymouth, Michigan. So we'll get Blake on to... uh, to preview the preview of the World Juniors, as it were. Steve Buffery, the Beezer from the Toronto Sun and Post Media. Uh, we'll drop by. We'll get his thoughts on, on Marcus Stroman. He wrote about the Stroh Show today, and not necessarily the on-the-field stuff, but the off-the-field stuff. And uh, it's a good guy to write about it, because Beezer, has, Beezer wears his heart on his sleeve as well. So it's this should be a, an interesting conversation um, with a newspaper writer, about Marcus Stroman. This could be this could be a lot of fun. So that's coming up at eleven thirty. Uh, Brian McTaggart will join us. Do we have the Keichel answer? Do we have the question and the answer all queued up and ready to go? Um, do we have the question? I, I should have checked this. Okay, this is a clip. I, we talked about this off air. So Brian McTaggart uh, is uh, a reporter for MLB.com in Houston, and he went up to Dallas Keuchel, ace pitcher. For the Houston Astros. Pitched better last night than he did in his first game back off the DL. But uh, he asked him a fairly easy question. Your thoughts on the deadline and what the Astros did and maybe what they weren't able to do? I mean, I'm not going to lie. Disappointment is a little bit of of an understatement. I I feel like a bunch of teams really bolstered their their rosters for the the long haul and for a, a, a huge playoff push and and uh, us just kind of staying pat was really was really disappointing to myself I know a lot of the guys feel like we can win in here and and that's that's a pretty accurate statement and that's why we built such a great lead but um, I think when it comes down to it it's it's now it's going to be uh, we're going to win for each other and uh, that's it that's awesome what a great answer when you ask uh, questions of an athlete over and over and over again, a lot of times you're going to get the very cliched answer. An athlete will be very guarded. Well, you know, uh, we didn't make any moves, but we didn't need to make any moves because we're still the best team in the American League. Would be an answer that you would expect to get. Brian McTaggart, who's going to join us at high noon, asked Dallas Keuchel, fairly simple question can you can you comment on on the moves that weren't were made and he didn't go off either like he wasn't really you know over the top with his answer oh we got screwed management doesn't want us to win blah 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 it was a very honest very i won't even say guarded it was just an honest answer but he did it in a very coherent way he just didn't shoot from the hip i thought that was an excellent answer and I would assume that there are people in Houston are saying, oh, he shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have uh, gone off on the team. There are some that are probably saying he didn't go far enough. 
I just love it when an athlete gives an honest answer, or a coach, or a general manager, because we're used to, you know, spin the wheel of cliches and get nothing when we know that the person isn't answering the way they want to answer. So I thought that was a, a straightforward question and a straightforward answer. And the man that asked the question is going to join us at 12 o'clock today, Brian McTaggart. And good for Keuchel. I, 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 I thought that was a very honest exchange. I don't know how management is going to feel about it, but management should feel a little disappointed as well. How many times did we hear Sonny Gray's name in connection with the Houston Astros? How many times did we hear you Darvish's name in connection with the Houston Astros? And sitting up here in Canada, watching from afar, and you know, reading whichever website that you want to read for uh, for your informational purposes, you would have seen the Houston Astros in connection with several pitchers, and I, I thought I assumed they were going to get one. It wasn't. If they're going to add to the rotation, it's who they're going to add to the rotation. And you can say, okay, they've just added to the rotation because they, they, they got Keuchel back from the disabled list after a couple of months and, you know, find out what McCullers is going to be like. They needed some insurance, though, and they didn't get it. And no, Francisco Liriano isn't protection. So they didn't quite get done what I assume they wanted to, but we'll get into that story a little bit later on in the program at high noon. Um... Hope, hope, hoping, fingers crossed. We're uh, expecting maybe, kind of, depending on his work situation, because he does have a real job. Uh, Jeff Johnson, we're hoping, is able to join us today to preview the Argo game against Calgary. Uh, They take on the Stamps tonight at BMO Field. You can watch it on TSN. You can listen to it right here. Uh, JJ and I will have a call for you. Uh, Kate will be down on the sidelines, and Andy Mack will be uh, our pre-post and halftime, uh, pre-post and halftime host. So that's coming up tonight here on the radio station. And a little bit more on the the CFL is Glenn Johnson is going to join us, who is the CFL Senior Vice President of Football. He is the former head of officiating and the former uh, former head official on the field in the league. But I find it fascinating, whether or not you're a CFL guy or not, I find it fascinating any time a league makes a significant change in midstream. And here we are a third of the way through the season, and they make a major change in terms of being able to challenge plays via instant replay. So how did this happen? Like, how is this just the new commissioner coming on and saying, hey, I watched that game Friday night, and it was a really good game. But boy, did the flow of that game ever suck because of all of the challenges. So I want to find out just the timeline on how this happened. And Randy Ambrosi was on the station yesterday, just to kind of give you an idea of the thinking of the league. And he talked about changing the rules because of the fans. And I've gotten a lot of fan feedback. I've been visiting, I've visited eight of the nine stadiums so far, and a lot of fans, you know, pulled me aside and they love the game, but they said, Randy, this, this just doesn't work for us. This is taking away from the enjoyment of the game. And, and I, uh, I thought, that well, okay, that, that's it. We need to look at it. And I was, uh, that's, what, that's what started the process. That's Randy Ambrosi, who was on Overdrive yesterday. Um, I, I am one of the last people on the list in terms of uh, using hyperbole. I'm not the guy that said, oh, that's the best thing I've ever eaten. Oh, that's the best game I've ever seen. Oh, that's, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. I'm not that guy. But the first six games, first uh, six games sort of for the entire league, has been as entertaining as I can remember any season opening in the CFL. 
It's been it's been it's been a lot of fun. There have been spectacular catches. One against the Argos last week. Deron Carter's catch uh, was as good a catch as you will see at any level of football. It was just it was just stunning. A a backhanded one-handed catch at the top of his jump. It was in the end zone. It was just and he stayed inbound. It was incredible. So it's been that kind of uh, year so far for the league, which is good, and they're just trying to make the product even better. So doubly good. Um, so back to the Blue Jays a little bit. They uh, they had a decent game last night, obviously, or yesterday afternoon, as it were, against the Chicago White Sox, and uh, one of the uh, one of the reasons for that was Jay Happ. Nice outing by him, and John Gibbons tipped his cap yesterday when it was over. Really good today. You know, I thought. Fastball was explosive. Um, you know, um, you know, this game went on. You know, after a couple innings, he really started hitting the spots too. It pretty good. Threw some good breaking balls. I thought uh, him and Montero did a good job together. You know, so yeah, he, he was really good today. That is uh, John Gibbons, manager of the Blue Jays, after the five-one win yesterday. And for Blue Jays fans, you're, you're happy to see that kind of outing, but you're still disappointed, realizing the team is still. Six games under 500, and uh, for all intents and purposes, there's just too much work to do with not enough talent on the team and too few games remaining on the schedule. So as Jays fans, you're now starting to look ahead. Um, I think that was underscored by what they did at the trade deadline, which going ahead, absolutely nothing wrong with what they did. Uh, Probably got too much value back for Liriano and rolled the dice a couple of times with guys they knew from uh, the organization that they were with in Cleveland. So I have no problems with what the Jays did the other day. Maybe if they have been able to unload a couple of more players, it would have sped up the rebuild a little bit more. But again, you're really rolling the dice with uh, with prospects, especially uh, guys in the low minors like uh, like they did with the, uh, with the Smith trade. So now you look to the future. And the season's not over yet. You still have... You know, what are they, 108 games? So you still have 54 games left to play. So Steve Phillips was on the morning show today talking about what the Jays should do in the next couple of months. Uh, yeah, there's still plenty of work to do. I, I think right now it is who's part of the problem, who's part of the solution. Uh, that, that, you know, as you've created holes on your pitching staff, uh, in the bullpen, in the rotation, uh, it's opportunity time for some guys to step up and show that they can be part of the solution for 2018. So the auditions are underway with the Toronto Blue Jays on the field. Um, one other story, we talked about this uh, on the Scotty Mack show yesterday. We played uh, for you comments made on our TSN affiliate in Vancouver a couple of days ago uh, from the head coach, Dwayne Casey. And he went, he didn't go off, but he was very passionate asking the question, why can't Toronto be the home of one of these super teams? And he went on and he talked about the virtues of playing in Toronto, what a great city uh, this town is, and especially when you compare it to some of the other stops along the way on the uh, NBA schedule, that Toronto should be a destination. It is a great town. Um, the guys who come here seem to love it. I mean, they never have to deal with traffic for the most part. I mean, they're all down on the water. Most of them live down on the waterfront. They can walk to work, so to speak, uh, for game nights. It's a relatively easy drive uh, down to the practice facility at the X. So you can basically live downtown, and you don't really have to get caught up in the traffic, which I think we can all agree is the number one detriment, aside from housing prices, but the number one detriment of living in Toronto. 
And for most of the guys in the NBA, they don't have to worry about the housing prices in Toronto. So you had this great speech by the head coach talking about how it should be a very cool spot for people to come to. And uh, on the morning show today was Rod Higgins, former NBA player and GM and president of basketball ops with Charlotte. And he talked about Casey's comments about playing in Toronto. Toronto is a, fast, a fantastic city. You know, they're, they're managed very well with Masai and his group. And obviously, Dwayne is an excellent coach. Um, they've done some good things over the last few years in terms of winning games. Um, you know, it's interesting that you look at how their roster is made up. You know, they got, you know, a couple of draft, drafted players with um, Dawson Yunus and um, DeMar DeRozan. And then I'm sure there's some younger kids that were drafted by the organization. But, you know, Masai has done a real good job of trading to get assets like Kyle Lowry and, and Serge Ibaka. Um, those kind of players who are starters, you know, so there are, you know, obviously three different ways to get your team going and improve your team drafting, um, um, free agency. Um, and then there was another one that, I, that skips me um, right now, um, drafting free agency. And what is the other one, guys? Trades. Trades. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we talked. So those are the three ways to improve your team. And, um, you know, I think Toronto is a, a fantastic place to play. But, you know, it's, it's, it's all about getting that talent and getting those players. That's Rod Higgins on the morning show today. One more from Rod before we let him go. Um, former player, as I mentioned, he was a young player with the Chicago Bulls. He was like mm, a couple of years in to his run with the Bulls when they drafted a kid out of North Carolina who turned out to be pretty good. Um, so this was uh, from the morning show again today. This is Rod Higgins talking about the competitiveness of his former teammate, Michael Jordan. He would, I'm telling you, Michael would send his plane to L.A. and tell LeVar to come on up. It's a, it's a short flight. Or he'll send a limo for him and tell him to come on. Michael would say, okay, you want the gym full or do you want the gym empty? Do you want media here or do you want, I mean, he'll give the guy all of the, his options. That's, that's who Michael is. LeVar better be careful because Michael's right in his back in his backyard right now. Okay, that wasn't exactly what I was expecting, but that's apologize for that. But obviously, talking about the ball situation and Michael Jordan and the competitiveness of trying to get a guy land a player uh, at any given point. Uh, one more before we go, and this is a Herm Edwards again, and we talked about the Kaepernick situation as well, and uh, he blamed the owners for the situation involving Colin Kaepernick. This is a league that we know that there are players that are playing in this league that had transgressions, that didn't meet up to the code of ethics, uh, but still have the opportunity to compete and to play in the league. This guy has not. Uh, he basically protested a nonviolent way, um, but basically he didn't respect the flag. And it tells you a lot about America. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether right, wrong, or different, what side you fall on, it doesn't matter. I know this, um, that um, he's sitting in a situation now where. Basically, it's the owner's decision. So that is, and uh, here, here, that is uh, Herm Edwards, the uh, former Eagle and uh, former head coach in the uh, NFL, and uh, a fantastic, uh, a fantastic broadcaster as well. So uh, that uh, some of the audio that we've been dealing with over the last few uh, few hours here on TSN ten fifty, and we do have Sound Wars coming up this hour as well. It's a, uh, it's O Dog versus Jack Armstrong both of whom very quotable, to say the least. 
and uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on uh, this hour. So uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's what's coming up uh, today. And also, just a, a reminder that uh, tonight we're going to have the Argo game for you tonight as the uh, Calgary Stampeders are in town. Stampeders, they had an interesting week last week. They hosted Hamilton and won sixty to one. Sixty to one. That's unreal. Wouldn't, wouldn't you rather lose sixty nothing than sixty to one? <laughs> well, you know, it's a kicker padding his stats. He couldn't get any extra points. No conversion attempts. So you got to pad the stats a little bit. Um, that's tough. I talked to a couple of Argos this week about you know, can you learn anything from the video? Watching that because the starters were out of there early. Um, there was maybe a a good quarter and a half where Calgary looked good. They looked okay. Like it was ten nothing early in the second quarter. Like it wasn't a blowout early. And then the rest of the second quarter happened. And then the second half happened. It was just it was horrible. It was a thirty nine to one at half, something like that. Just brutal. So, you know, what can you learn from watching that? Uh, we had Bear, Bear Woods on the uh, program yesterday, the middle linebacker. He said you got to go back a couple of weeks. That's what he did. Uh, you know, you do your breakdowns. You get what the uh, the coaches are going to show you from Calgary. And then you do your own study. And then he went back and he looked at game film from uh, from a couple of weeks ago just because you got a chance to see Calgary on a more regular basis and, uh, uh, you know, playing longer with their A game. So that's what he did. And you'll get a chance to see that game tonight down at BMO Field. Good, uh, good atmosphere for the last game. It was actually pretty loud. The, 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 the crowd certainly isn't where they want it to be, uh, with, the, with the obvious statement. But the fans who are going are having a good time. And uh, Mitch Marner was, uh, was tweeting yesterday that he's all pumped to be going back. He went to the first game and I guess was telling people, why the hell haven't I been here earlier than this? And has just fallen in love uh, with the team. So that's good. He's back for another game, his third home game of the season. And Jeannie Bouchard was there last week. And the guys from Letterkenny and Brandon Marshall. So they've had quite the celebrity uh, following so far this year. So we'll have that game for you tonight here on TSN 1050. Uh, on the uh, television side and on the radio side, you're going to be able to follow the World Junior Summer Showcase from Plymouth, Michigan, and the man calling the games uh, with our old pal, Jack Miller. It, it's Mr. Blake Price joining us from our affiliate in Vancouver. How you doing, Blake? I'm doing very well. Are you? How is Plymouth, Michigan treating you? Um, luckily, we are in the uh, the suburb of. Well, I don't know. I actually have been to like downtown Plymouth. We're in Novi, Michigan, as we speak today. Uh, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, Plymouth, Michigan has a suburb. Well, I I don't know. It's just they're all just like little hamlets, right? I'm in one of the other hamlets. <laughs> I, I, the the arena is sort of they're all just kind of off the freeway. So I'm I'm off the freeway on at a hotel, and they're off the freeway in the arena. So you know it's it's freeway living. So when you were putting together your your lines and your depth chart and seeing who was invited to this camp, who were you most intrigued by that you had never seen play before? Um, on all teams or on Team Canada? We'll start with Team Canada, and then we can kind of skirt around from country to country. Um, well, I, you know, I, I'm going to answer my own question here. The guy that's at the top of that list is maybe Casey Middlestad, because I wanted to see how he's on Team USA, obviously. But I wanted yeah. to see how that criticism of, of uh, not criticism, it was a, a wondering, I guess, that people had around the draft of, oh, he's only played high school hockey um, you know, he had only the 30 games in the USHL, but he shouldn't be drafted in the top 10 of the draft because of it. So I wanted to sort of, you know, 
look at at him and and see what he, he was tremendous. By the way, he was he was quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, from Team Canada, um, I, I guess I wanted to see what the returning players looked like and if they looked one year wiser and sure. and uh, and look and looked like they were ready to be the core because none of those guys that were coming back. Um, while you know stars in their own right on their respective CHL teams, none of them have like a ton of huge cachet to the casual fan outside of their own market and outside of the the market that drafted them. Maybe you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm sure everybody is is quite excited, you know, in Tampa Bay about Taylor Radish, but you know, I don't know that Ottawa Senator fans care much about Taylor sure. Radish. So, um, I was wondering, you know, are they going to be good enough to be sort of the the engine for Team Canada at the the World Juniors? And and Taylor Radish, Dylan Dubé were probably the two best players on the ice for for Canada on on the whole. So that was that was encouraging, uh, I guess, to see as well. The blue line is sprinkled with with first rounders and some second rounders as well. Is it as is this a good group without perhaps? Uh, aside from you know Colorado's pick last year, maybe having a a, a potential superstar in the NHL. Uh, on Team Canada, you're talking Team Canada. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's just, it's it's sort of indicative of the whole team. Uh, again, with with and Nolan Patrick will be on the ice eventually, so you got a little bit of cachet there. And I think Tyson Jost brings brings something to the table as a veteran guy as well this year, this year, and Gabe Velarde. But none of those guys are actually skating at this tournament, right? Mm-hmm. So we're gonna have to wait. We're gonna have to wait until the selection camp to see those guys, and that's maybe the most star power and maybe the best offensive. Thrust is, is from guys like that. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois did not play in the game we did yesterday. Uh, he'll be in the lineup, I would think, tomorrow. So there's a little bit of something there on the offensive side. But as, as a whole, and I'll get back to your, your defensive question, in yeah. that on the whole, there's just you're right. There's not a there's not a face of you know, uh, you know of, of, of defense. Sam Gerard comes back. Uh, you know, you got Jake Bean coming back. You got Dante Fabro. Um, you know, there's there's experience back there, and there's some nice players, but none of them leap off the page as you know guys that are going to win the Norris one day, guys that are going to win best defenseman of this tournament, even probably. So um, it's going to be by committee, and uh, I, I, maybe there's a star that, that jumps out. Maybe Cam McCarr makes this team. I don't know that Cam McCarr will make this team. It's a 19 year old tournament, but yeah. um, but maybe Cam McCarr makes this team, and maybe he dazzles us. So we'll see. Um, how about in golf? That's always the question when you're when you're heading toward the World Junior. Sometimes there is a definitive number one goaltender. Sometimes there is not. Uh, is Carter yep. Hart the favorite here, or who would be the favorite? Yeah, the incumbent guy is probably the favorite. Yeah. Uh, again, didn't didn't dazzle us last year. Um, keep an eye out for Michael DiPietro uh, with his you know fabulous season last year, going to the Memorial Cup. I, yeah. I wonder if he surprises a little bit. Um, Skinner and Wells yesterday were. Fine. Um, but again, it's August, so we're not going to over-evaluate what we're seeing here. Um, but uh, nobody's standing on their head in, in that game, that's for sure. A lot of goals given up, five to the Finns. So uh, we'll see what the weekend brings with Hart and DiPietro probably getting a little bit more of the workload. But if I had to handicap now, and that's all we're doing at this point, is doing sure. sort of long-range handicapping, yeah. I'd say Hart's for sure, and maybe DiPietro. Leaf fans will be uh, curious in the game tomorrow. You've got the Swedes. Uh, Timothy Liljegren is is somebody that all of a sudden is thrust into the center of Leaf Nation uh, awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how uh, have you been able to, to to check out their camp or see him play yet? 
Yes, yeah, we did the game yesterday, the uh, Swedish American game, okay. and I actually called a bunch of his games. Uh, I called them at the World Under 17s on the TV side. I called them at the World Under 18s on the TV side. So I've, I've sort of followed him the last few years, and uh, he, uh, he's he, yesterday was exactly what I've seen from him. When he is on, he is a tremendous talent. Um, he just kind of disappears for a period or, or a period and a half. He, even amongst, and that's not at the NHL level as a rookie. We're just talking amongst his contemporaries. You know, you would hope that he is noticeable throughout the game. You know, sure. and uh, the first period yesterday, if you want to go back, Leaf fans want to go back and, and watch or listen to the game from yesterday. He was tremendous in the first period, and the final ten minutes of the game yesterday, very noticeable uh, as well as Sweden tried to get back in the game. And they dominated and. You know, I, I saw the same thing yesterday uh, late in the game, and I saw this at the under-18s just in April. Um, you know, him calling for the puck. Like, Beaver, like, Leah Sanderson's got two goals in the game, and he's got the puck on his stick on the left circle, dying moments of a hockey game, which they, and Lilligren's banging his stick saying, give, me the, give the puck to me. The guy that's got the two goals in the game for Sweden's got the puck on his stick, but Lilligren's saying, give it to me. Um, and, and that's good. I mean, you want to see that confidence and that sort of, you know, um, yeah, this is bold play, uh, but you want to see that through, through 60 minutes. So I think that's going to be the challenge for Lillegren is just keeping the focus and, and being as good as he can be for a little longer periods in the game. But he's, uh, he's got a tremendous skill set. I think we fans are going to be pretty excited when they see that, that high ceiling. He has a ceiling that's pretty high. Well, enjoy that one uh, tomorrow and indeed the rest of the uh, tournament. Good catching up with you, Blake. Stay well. Yep. Thanks, man. That is Blake Price joining us, the voice of uh, the summer the World Junior Summer Showcase, uh, both on radio side and on the television side. It's the, the Leaf prospect, Timothy Liljegren, and the uh, Swedes against Canada tomorrow at uh, 1 p.m. If you want to watch it, it's on TSN 1, 3, 4, and 5. When we come back, uh, Steve Buffery will drop by from the Toronto Sun and Post Media, and we'll talk to Steve about uh, his column about Marcus Stroman. That's coming up next as we continue with Toronto Today here on TSN 1050. I want to grind it out to the bitter end. I, I want that guy, every guy, to just do the right thing. And the right thing is that have pride in yourself, have pride in the game, uh, and, and understand that you. we find out a lot more about people and players when things are going poorly than when things are going well. That's Steve Phillips a little earlier on the radio station talking about, well, the Jays playing it out. A couple of months to go. This is Toronto Today. Mike Hogan in for Gareth Wheeler on TSN 1050. Uh, a little bit later on, uh, baseball talk with Brian McTaggart from MLB.com. He covers the Astros. Uh, he had an interesting discussion with uh, Dallas Keuchel that made the round. So we'll, we'll talk to Brian about uh, the Astros and, and find out more about the prospect that's hitting this way. If, if you don't know by now, you, I'm sure you've done your due diligence if you're a Jays fan. And uh, just uh, how Liriano will fit in there. But to go over uh, the Astros and, and the disappointment maybe of the fan base in general without making that monster move, without getting Sonny Gray without getting you Darvish, without adding uh, a major arm or a major player to an already good roster, already great roster, potentially. So uh, we'll get into that with Brian McTaggart at uh, the top of the hour. We have Sound Wars coming up this hour. Love to have you vote on uh, on uh, today. It's, uh, it's well, it's, it's O-Dog versus Jack Armstrong. Two different types of of personalities, but two thoroughly entertaining types of personalities. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on in this half hour. In the next hour, 
as we get ready for the uh, Argos and Stamps. Hoping for uh, Jeff Johnson to be able to uh, drop by, the uh, man who rides shotgun with me on Argos broadcasts. And uh, we put out a pod. If, you, if you're an Argo fan, you haven't checked out our podcast yet. Uh, JJ and I do it every week. It's the Double Blue Podcast, which is available basically everywhere. So if you want to um, download a podcast or just listen to it, uh, you can uh, you can basically go wherever you find podcasts, and you'll find it. Argos tweeted out as well, so you can find it on the Toronto Argonauts uh, 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 Twitter page. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? What else? Uh, Glenn Johnson's going to join us. I knew we had one more. Uh, Glenn is um, he's gone from being a zebra to being a suit. He was uh, the, a longtime CFL referee on the field, then took over as the head of officiating, and now is the CFL senior vice president of football, and was one of the guys that was rumored to be up for the commissioner's job. Uh, Randy Ambrosi got it, and after what he saw on uh, Friday night, uh, didn't like what he saw. Liked the game, but didn't like the delays by going to instant replay with the coach's challenges. Uh, there have been way too many as coaches have coaches have kind of used this without it being in the true spirit of why the rule was implemented in the first place commissioner saw what was going on said i don't like it the fans don't like it this has to end so i want to find out from glenn as much as anything else what the weekend was like from the moment that ambrosi saw what was going on and, and decided something had to change to the change actually being implemented. It happened really quickly. And you know what it's like in, in, in sports. If, if somebody in the front office or if a general manager of a rules committee wants something done, they've got to go to this place and that place and this place and double check and get everybody to make sure that all the check marks are on the right side. Sometimes that can take months. And we never, ever see a major rule change in midseason. And we're a third of the way through the CFL season, and they made a major change. So uh, what was the choreography like and the timeline like on that one? So Glenn Johnson will join us at about 1230. Uh, I find this, uh, this, this upcoming conversation should be interesting because we have uh, somebody who wears his heart on his sleeve as a writer talking about a major league pitcher who also uh, wears his heart on his sleeve. He wrote about it today in the Toronto Sun and Post Media. Steve Buffery's on the line. What's up, Beezer? How are you, Mike? Very good. Well, as a fan, before we get into your role as a journalist, um, as somebody who likes sports, loves sports, just watching Marcus Stroman, do you enjoy him or do you think he's a little over the top? Well, you know what? I actually do enjoy him. I think baseball, especially of all sports, sort of needs that sort of animation, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I just, from you know, covering this team and everything else, Mike, I do know for a fact that, you know, his, his act is wearing a little bit thin in the clubhouse. And I know... You know, P. Walker, I was talking to him yesterday, I was talking to John Gibbons, and, you know, they, they, they acknowledge that he has to pitch with emotion. That's what he's all about. Yeah. On the other hand, they realize that it's coming to a point where he's not doing himself any favors by constantly challenging the umpires. I mean, these guys have long memories. You know, they're going to, you know, you don't know what they're going to do to a guy. Pitchers have, we've heard pitchers before, Mike, complain about they're not getting calls because so and so umpire has a, you know, doesn't like them and that kind of thing. And, you know, this is becoming a, 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 every time he starts, Stroman 
has a problem with the umpires, it's usually based on that sort of uh, hitch delivery he has. The umpires aren't sure. You know, he goes in his wind-up, stops, and then delivers the pitch. And, you know, T believes the umpires aren't supposed to call a timeout or, the, or allow the, play, the batter to call a timeout, but they do because there seems to be some confusion around this. So he gets all upset about this, but... You know, like you talk to some guys off the record, and they'll say, like, if you know, Russ Martin is catching him, like, let Russ Martin talk to the umpire because, you know, for instance, the infielders. Everybody talks about when the game goes fast, everybody likes it. The infielders keeps them involved. When you got Marcus going on and on and on, the players don't like it. They 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 don't really want to admit it off the record. And that whole thing with Tim Anderson the other day. I mean. You know, like Anderson looked like the bad guy walking away. He just struck out and he's walking away grumbling. Like, who cares about the guy? He looks like a sore loser. Yeah. Then Marcus has to engage him. And then uh, next thing you know, there's a delay. And this is when a team is up a few runs, Mike. It's like hockey. If your team is up, the lot, why do you think the other coaches used to put guys on to start fights to change the momentum, right? They don't want that. Same in baseball. So, you know, as Pete Walker told me yesterday, he has to play with emotion. But he has to figure out, you know, play with emotion, but don't let it get away from him because eventually it's going to come back and burn him. It's it's funny because back when I was a much younger man and I pitched, I, 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 I see a lot of what Stroman is doing and what I used to do. And I, when, oh, really? As an older guy. And I, I, I was a guy, I needed to fire myself up like that. I needed to be, right. I, had, I needed to pitch pissed off or I wouldn't be able to pitch effectively. It was just, it was just kind of what, what, what did it. But what I needed, when I look back now as, as an older guy, I needed somebody to just kick my ass and say, you know what, you look like an idiot out there. And, and and is is this something that's that, that that you're hearing is being talked about that some of the veterans are kind of you, you said that they're kind of it's wearing thin in the clubhouse right now but is there a veteran that you think on this team maybe Bautista or somebody else can just talk to him and say you gotta take your foot off the accelerator a little bit? Well, here's the interesting thing, Mike. You know, beginning of this year, Marcus Stroman and uh, Troy Tulowitzki had their lockers put together and um, for the start of the season at, at the Rogers Center. And I remember in spring training, I asked one of the the, uh, the Blue Jays uh, media guys if that was by design. And he basically admitted, yes, it was. And, and basically, you could see during spring training, Mike, that Tulowitzki was really sort of schooling Marcus on a lot of things. I remember one time in particular when Marcus was, we were, the media guys were waiting for Stroman to show up. And Stroman was like, I don't know, doing his thing, talking to guys and taking his time and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And Tulewitzki actually went over to him and basically said, get over there right now. It's not a game. Just do what you got to do and get it over with. And now Tulewitzki, and now so their lockers are beside each other. And, you know, I've heard from everybody that it's because Tulewitzki's sort of taken Strowman under his wing. Yeah. Although I asked Tulewitzki about that and he said, oh, no, we're just good buddies. You know, they, you know, you know what ball players are like. But anyway, Tulewitzki's injured now. He's not around. And I think if Tulowitzki's there, I think he does kick his ass a little bit. I mean, Sean Gibbons, God love him, is not a, when it comes to things like that, he'd rather not get involved. I mean, I don't know if he read the piece, but we asked him about Stroman. He goes, he just sort of shrugged and laughed and said, well, what they, got, what they really got to do is worry about those balls that give our pitchers blisters. Yeah. And, you know, and Pete Walker's a pitching coach, and it's not really his job, I don't think, to kick his ass. But, you know, they're very subtle about it. They're saying, we love him. We love his emotion, but maybe he'll learn to sort of, you know, pick and choose his spots because, frankly, I mean, you walk in that clubhouse, Mike, there is a feeling that, you know, this guy is like, he's good and he's young, but come on, this is a team game. It's not about you. Do your job. Let us do ours and stop 
getting so you know it's it's a circus in a lot of ways. The fans love it. I understand that, but you've got to look at the big picture. This is a team game. It's not about one guy. So I wrote that column a lot of ways based on my the, the sort of the deal and the buzz in the clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah, you know? our, our guest is Steve Buffery from the Toronto Sun, and uh, you did talk to Walker and Gibbons for the article, and, and you mentioned that, you know, maybe it's not their role. I, uh, the, the, I would discount that by saying that, you know, in this era where it seems that managers, coaches, whatever the sport may be, are less tacticians and more amateur psychologists, right, where they've got to find a way to get the most out of their players on a daily basis. And I, I would think that uh, for Walker and, and Gibbons, one of them has to figure out a way to get inside that head and screw it on right so you make sure he's not around or he's around at the end of the game and not getting kicked out. Yeah, I, I guess I agree with you, Mike. I think that's the reason why they put a, a veteran like Troy Tulowitzki with him. Like, yeah. You know, they did that on purpose, I believe. I mean, like, again, I asked Tulowitzki about this, and he kind of like, I mean, you know, you know it's true, but he doesn't want to come across sure. as a hero sort of thing, you know. But you're right. It should be. But that's not really, you know, like him or loathe him. That's not really given style. I mean, all he cares about is Strowman going on the mound and winning. But, you know, you hear things. You hear things off the record that, you know, you hear the act is wearing thin uh, a lot. And you know, here's the other thing, too. Like, Strowman is a great guy on social media, and he's yep. a great fan guy, yep. and he does a lot of things with the fans, and they love him. I dig it, you know. But, you know, he, around the, and around the uh, clubhouse a lot of times, at least with the media, nobody cares about the media, but he seems really angry all the time. I and mean, when we brought him out after his win the other day, he was just burning with anger. I, apparently he heard what Buck Martinez said, which wasn't that big of a deal. You know, everybody knows about the hot mic thing when yeah. Buck says, look, he can't help himself. But he was just really burning up, and he was mumbling under his breath, and then he talked to us, and he's still angry. He doesn't like talking to us anymore anyway. But you wonder why, and I'm not... Making any, uh, I'm not, you know, saying this is exactly what had happened, but you wonder why guys like Aaron Sanchez aren't his buddy anymore. Like, you know, because baseball players, again, it's it's an individual game, but it's still about the team. And baseball is kind of a sport, a little bit like hockey, not like basketball, where, you know, it should be team first. And I don't know if you call that old school or what, but sure. you know, and it, you know what, my, you could, I guess you could say it's working for him now. But what happens when the umpire starts squeezing him and? and all that kind of thing, or that whole hitch delivery thing starts getting in his head. Is then he, what happens, you, right? You, you talk about maybe the act wearing thin in, in the clubhouse. Is this an act, or is this Marcus Stroman now at a point in his career where he's finally saying, I'm just going to be myself out there, and this is who he is as opposed to who he saw earlier, and maybe that was the act? You know, that, that's, a very, that's a very valid point, Mike. And, you know, uh, you know, in retrospect, I think you're probably right. I mean, that this is Stroman's personality. I mean, I... I was interviewing a guy in Vancouver uh, a couple weeks ago for when I did a piece on when uh, Roberto Osuna broke into the you know single A Vancouver after the J sign and how he struck out 13 batters in five innings and all that stuff and how a big you know how it was sort of this coming out party in the pros and the guy out there told me that it was amazing performance but he said it was overlooked in a lot of ways because on that team also was Marcus Stroman he said even back then he was the, he was the thing like he. Every, everybody was talking about him. The buzz was all around him. He was already the guy. And, and he said in those days, there was, there was absolutely no controversy or anger. It was just Strowman being outgoing and friendly and just bubbly and all that other stuff. But now he seemed to have this, you know, anger element to him that, honestly, I don't think he needs. You know, I mean, 
you know, it's, it's a good thing for the fans. And I, you can show an emotion, I think, Mike, that everybody loves, including your teammates, without delaying games and being angry and all that stuff. I'm not sure where that came from, but it's there now. Steve, a pleasure. Awesome article. Uh, really enjoyed it. Great appearance on the radio show as well. Thanks so much for doing this. We'll talk again soon, I hope. Thanks for having me, Mike. That is Steve Buffery, a Beezer, at Beezer's son on Twitter, um, inked the article Buffery. Uh, Strowman's behavior has become unpredictable, and that's a problem for the Blue Jays. He doesn't write the headlines, but that is the headline for the piece, and you get the gist of it. And uh, let's see, Keith Bauer, our producer, has just forwarded me this, uh, this uh, just about 10 minutes ago on Instagram, from Marcus Strowman. Ah, nice timing. Throwback to when my problematic, unpredictable behavior helped me graduate uh, graduate from one of the best institutions in the world. Laugh out loud. Throwback uh, Thursday at Duke University, and it's a picture of him and his family graduating from Duke. So there we go. He's having fun with this. I don't mind where he goes. It's just at, at some point, if it starts affecting the the calls with the umpires, if he starts getting zero calls, that's when it becomes problematic. Or if he starts, you know, getting the guys in the room upset with him then it can be a little problematic as well. But that's something they have to uh, figure out internally. Hey, we have Sound Wars coming up. Then uh, some baseball talk with Brian McTaggart from Houston. Uh, he had an interesting request, uh, sorry, response to a question he asked of Dallas Keuchel. Uh, we'll hear that question and then talk to Brian about it. And then some CFL talk in the next hour as we get ready for the Stamps and the Argos, which comes your way tonight here on TSN 1050. It's time for a TSN 1050 Sound War. This is the worst one for sure. And indeed, it is time for Sound Wars on Toronto today. Hogan in for Wheeler. The best on-air moments go head-to-head daily here on TSN 1050. And then we ask you to decide which one survives this TSN 1050 Sound War, which is brought to you by Old Tomorrow's new Lighter Up Light Logger. We've taken some sound clips that have appeared on the radio station over the last year, and we, we have seeded them. And now they go toe-to-toe. Here's on-air moment number four. The O-Dog breathes a sigh of relief after realizing a message meant for the boys could have inadvertently offended the commissioner. I wrote on a piece of paper, I have to crap. And it was right in front of Jerry Bettman. It was a foot away from his grill. So there we go, the always entertaining O-Dog. Who is he up against today? Well, with the on-air moment number 13... Hoops analyst extraordinaire Jack Armstrong, who always knows what to say. Hello! Wheeling! Dealing! Oh yeah, and he gave the finger wag too! Get that garbage out of here! So it's Jack versus the O-Dog. The Jackisms versus I have to crap. How do you vote? Well, you go to tsn1050.ca. You click on Sound Wars. It's hard to miss. And vote for your favorite on-air moment. Seed number four, I have to crap. Or seed number 13, Jackisms. Voting for this sound war closes at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Listen to Overdrive later today for the results and for the start of a new Sound Wars battle on TSN 1050. Sound Wars is brought to you by Old Tomorrow's new Lighter Up Light Lager at select Loblaw grocery stores. Mr. Skrizniak, Skriznasty, our technical poobah. I guess poo being the operative word with the, with the clip number four there. Um, favorite, heavy favorite in this one? I think the O-Dog's going to win this one, but I really want Jack to win because Overdrive's getting a lot of play mm-hmm. during these sound wars. It's about time they get, get knocked down a notch. 
Ah, uh, so this is just spite. And if anyone can do it, it's the legend Jack Armstrong. Well, it's Armstrong. Just the hello alone should be advance-worthy, should it not? You would think so. Keith Bowers, our technical... Oh, no, he's not. He's our producer today. He was the technical director on the morning show doing he double does it duty all. today. I've, I've had a long morning. Yeah. That's, uh, all in good fun, though. Uh, today, who's your favorite in the uh, in the Sound Wars? I am biased to the um, to the O-Dog. I have to crap note because I was sitting right beside him as that note was there. And it's, you know, the way Noodles describes it afterwards, I mean, it was literally right there, right in front of Gary as he was coming on. Do so. you think Bettman saw it? I feel like if he... Do you think if he'd seen it, he would have brought it up? I don't know, because that's one that, unless he has an outstanding relationship and a playful relationship... Which he doesn't. With, with the, exactly. But if he did, with the person that was doing the show, I could see that happening. Um, like if Ray Ferraro had have seen that. He's yeah. bringing that up. Oh, yeah. Gary Bettman... I don't know if he brings it up. And I just, I can't even picture him saying the words, I have to crap. I mean, it's, no. So you so, I, I, so I, I do you think that he saw it and didn't bring it up? I do not think that he saw it. I think Noodles made a, he, I think Noodles noticed it and made a pretty quick, sneaky move to, oh, get, it, oh, to get it out of there. Okay. So I, I think O'Dog's in the clear, but uh, I guess we'll never know. Well, we'll find out. Until he's on the station again. Exactly. We'll find out uh, what you think about those uh, those clips a little bit later on on the programming day as uh, Scotty Mack will be your host for Overdrive today, and he'll give you the final results. Again, go to 1050, uh, tsn1050.ca, click on Sound Wars, and vote to your little heart's content. When we come back, some baseball talk. We go to Houston. Brian McTaggart with an interesting conversation with Dallas Keuchel, and uh, we'll get some CFL talk in as well as we preview tonight's Argos-Stamps game right here on TSN 1050.